Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sophisticated. Today, I have a very special guest, uh, my good friend, Anna Fontes. Anna, how are you? I can't complain. I'm really happy it's the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so you caught me at a good time. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. So um, do you want to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Uh, as Sophia said, I'm Anna Fontes. I am born and raised in Sacramento and recently moved to LA um, with my partner. I, for a living, work in public policy. So I help nonprofits better understand the policy process. And ultimately, it helps communities have a larger voice in decision making and policy making. So I really enjoy that. And I also work on workforce development issues. So looking at how it, um, how jobs can be easily, more easily attained. I'm stuttering. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. More easily attained by um, people with lots of different different backgrounds. Um, outside of that, I'm I'm active in the community. I'm on the board for Paratrans and also Metro Edge, which is a young professional uh, network where I launched a diversity, inclusion, and belonging focus and initiative, which is really really exciting. And then outside of that, um, I like memes. I like food. <laughs> um, Sophia can tell you from from my Instagram that that's basically. Um, all it is and the occasional cat picture I'm a big cat mom yes good stuff um <laughs> yeah so just to like I don't know not clarify but I first met Anna because she used to work with my mom and so now I've known her for a long time now and um, Anna's helped me with my seventh grade science project which was really <laughs> awesome and I've helped her um, with her makeup skills so we have a good relationship <laughs> yeah. um anyways so I really wanted to have Anna on the podcast because she is also a biracial kid like me. I have um, a lot of questions because I always want to learn about, you know, other multiracial kids' um, backgrounds. Um, so yeah, so my first question is, um, you're a super cool millennial and like, what was your childhood like growing up biracial in that time? Yeah, um... I, I have a lot of thoughts, so feel free um, to rein me in. I don't know if your mom mentioned that, but she's had to do that for me on a few calls. And <laughs> I was definitely better off for it. So my mom is from Germany um, and she moved to the US like when she was 27 um, and to New York, a little bit more exciting than <laughs> where I grew up. And then my dad is from Haiti and he moved from Haiti to Michigan when he was like right after high school. So around like 19, 1920. Um, so both my parents um, are immigrants and I just surfaced that because that adds different elements also to my, to my experience um, and just like noticing how people like perceive accents and how, how Americans in my opinion perceive um, people, places, things, concepts that are different than them. So for me, I went from, I started school, kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade at a pretty diverse school. And then I shifted um, to a less than diverse school um, for the rest of my elementary. Um, I definitely had experiences that were related to race, but I didn't necessarily recognize them at the time. Um, 
you know, a few examples being like when I was in preschool, actually, uh, my, I don't know how to say this. It seemed that I was disciplined more than the other kids. Oh, and, um, well, I didn't notice, right. Like the teacher would tell my mom, like, Hey, she's really acting out, which I wasn't that type of kid. I know I'm outspoken (laughs) now. Um, I was very talkative, but I, I never like got in trouble or was like destructive or anything like that. Cause I actually liked following the rules and like knowing that I was doing the right (laughs) thing. And some parents took me aside or my, not me, my mom aside. And they were like, Hey, like she's harder on, on her than the other kids, which to me, like, you know, props to those parents because being woke wasn't really a thing in the nineties. It wasn't. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, So, and my mom, you know, you don't really know what to believe as, as a parent, you're like, well, sometimes my kid acts up. So like, you just don't know. Right. And this isn't like blaming my mom or anything like that. But my mom said, yeah, we finally decided to pull you out when we overheard the preschool teacher saying, hey, they caught those burglars who did the robbery in my neighborhood. Can you believe that they were white? And um, (laughs) so they're like, oh my gosh, like there's, you know, and again, like, it's so funny when we have conversations now and we use like words like bias and inclusive but like those thought processes were not mainstream like I'm not going to say they weren't happening but they weren't mainstream so it's hard for people to like point out and also just for my parents like yes they had been in the country for you know anywhere between for my mom at that point probably like five or six years for my dad much longer it's still a new experience and I'm their first kid. I'm the oldest of five kids. I guess I should have named that or mentioned that in my, my bio. My siblings are going to get mad at me. But that that's just one example. And then my, my kindergarten teacher after that, I'm not saying all teachers are racist, but my kindergarten teacher after that was would do weirdly sketch things. And my mom used to tell me, oh like it's it's not you like she just doesn't like mommy and daddy and I'm like what the heck my mom and dad are really nice people yeah I don't like that concept doesn't really compute with me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what the people that like make me sandwiches and play with me are are bad like why would anyone think that so it was hard right Right, like and they didn't know how to explain it um uh really at all and I mean again it's a hard thing to explain to a four-year-old or talk about, or should you even talk about it, right? Like there's all these horrible decisions um, that, you know, white families really don't have to to navigate and those those complexities. And kind of the final straw for them was at my kindergarten graduation where when everyone got an award except me and the other black kid um, during the graduation and I was like waiting my turn no. and it's like on tape and everything because they moved on to like the next part of the agenda and I was like oh my gosh oh my yeah God. it's horrible they're like we can never watch that video again so anyway feel free to cut out what you want but <laughs> so that was the beginning but I, I didn't know right right I just yeah. was like okay sometimes happen that you don't like you know or you don't right. get your way and so then things kind of carried on probably throughout my, like up until eighth grade, 
I would say that there were a lot of comments that were aimed at me being different and I was different because of my race, but I wouldn't say that they're racist, right? Mm -hmm. But you do have to, when we're thinking about term belonging and othering and being inclusive versus exclusive and always saying like, you know, making indications that, that you don't belong or you're different. And all I wanted to do was assimilate wanted my hair to be straight I wanted to just fly under the radar which again is funny now because I'm a little bit more outspoken but I definitely like all I wanted to do and I'm not saying I wanted to be white I want to do that (laughs) and my mom even didn't understand she's like you're always trying to be cool I'm like no no no, no, I'm not I'm just trying to blend in Mm -hmm. so I don't get called out in high school, and, and again, I want to be clear, I had friends, I wasn't an outcast, I had hobbies. Um, but in high school, too, the last thing that I'll say is like, you know, anytime there was an opportunity to like label me, it would be race based. And it wasn't one, I wasn't necessarily as proud of my heritage as I should have been. I didn't grow up around black people. Like, I I went to, um, you know, the small Catholic school where again, the class sizes were small, but it just wasn't very diverse. Um, my dad isn't from this country. So it's not like he has like extensive family throughout, but he left his family kind of behind in Michigan. And so we just didn't have, we had a diverse friend group. Um, like there was a black family and a couple of Asian families and a couple, you know, Latino face, but it wasn't necessarily I didn't have that that narrative around um kind of what you're seeing in Black History Month right like that celebration right oriented in in one culture and so there would be comments like oh like look Oprah's coming like anything that was like Black related like those which but it's not it's not to me it's not that bad because like I I know like how other black kids have been treated in all white spaces. Mm-hmm. And it, like, honestly, I, I flew under the radar generally. Again, it's right. not like I was rejected or anything like that. The thing that I, the last thing I will say, that's funny. Um, <laughs> um, I sit, like I said, I'm, I'm the oldest of five. So the rest of my siblings, especially like the younger three are like Gen Z millennial cusp. And I recently asked them, one of them, I said, so did you guys like have any like racial comments like or anything like that? But there were, there was a commentary, right? And my sister checked me real quick and she's like, no, that's a you problem. That's a millennial, like saying it's a millennial problem, which is funny, right? Because like millennials were like, we're the most progressive <laughs> generation <laughs> there ever has been. And, and we're comparing ourselves to like boomers, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I don't even have generations it, like straight Gen Y. I forgot what, what your parent, which one your parents are a part of, but like. I think they're the X. Gen, Gen X, okay. Yeah. Um, and millennials are like thinking of themselves like we're so progressive were these change makers and it was just really funny for my sister to be like no that's a millennial thing like gen z doesn't do stuff like that which 
we know it's not true. We see, we see um, the gaming discussions online and things <laughs> like that. And again, white supremacy is everywhere. Right. So yes. anyway, it was just funny that you were like, you're a cool millennial, but like in, in this space, my siblings were like, no, millennials are um, problematic and Gen Z are the most forward thinking. So it's, oh my it's funny to see that kind of like that wave go. Yeah. Wow. I have so many thoughts. Like for one, I didn't know that both your parents are immigrants. That's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. then also like, wow, I cannot believe they didn't give you an award. And like, that's just, that's so horrible. Like for a little kid and just, I, I definitely feel like it's very obviously singling you out. Right. Yeah. And, oh man. I mean, I know that I have like I'm very privileged and I know that I could probably pass for like white or anything so I definitely haven't like like you I've I think definitely flown under the radar um yeah light skin skin privilege is definitely it's like a, a thing for sure yes definitely um like like I said in my first episode I think I I guess the only like not even like racist, just more singling out is just like when it was Martin Luther King Day and they're just like, if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have Sophia or Jalen and just the like two kids of color in the class. And so that was like the first time I ever got singled out, but obviously like I'm very privileged and my light skin has um, subject me to not having been um, exposed to like real racism. So I know that like I'm very fortunate for that but I know that it's definitely harder for others and yeah I've I mean no one's ever called me like comparing me to some like Filipino like figure or anything like Mm -hmm. I just don't think there's that many anyways but yeah I don't think I I guess the point I'm trying to get across is that yeah I'm very lucky and it's it it's hard when that stuff does happen but it could be worse right so Yes. Anyways, um, that was really interesting. And my second question, which I think maybe you touched on it a bit, I'm not sure, but like, what was the Mm -hmm. hardest part of your experience? Yeah, that's a good question. I, if you're, are you talking about childhood or just like being biracial or? Right. Like, was there anything that just, I don't know, you felt I guess for me, like, it's my identity struggle, like, that, or mm-hmm. just, like, trying to find out where I fit in the world, but, mm-hmm. and that just happened to be because I was biracial, but I don't know mm-hmm. if it was, like, an actual specific, like, experience or something that happened to you, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think mine is similar to yours where it's like where do I I fit I just want like a nest um to like or like a like a home base like I think that since my parents were immigrants and again they hadn't been to like the American high school which don't get me wrong they were high school obviously but it's different and the times were different right and so I didn't have, like, I would have really benefited from, from an older sibling where there was, like, validation of, like, okay, what you're feeling is nor- normal, what you're going normal in this particular space. And then if you layer that, um, I just, I, and I want to be clear, it didn't feel hard at the time. 
things were great. I had friends. That's really all I, I cared about. It's really sad when you don't have friends. But looking back, it makes me sad to think of the state of my self-worth and like, you know, I didn't like the way I looked for a number of reasons. One, I remember wanting to be blonde and thin for as long as I can remember. Well, I don't want to do that now okay. anymore. I actually have a very funny story about that. I mean, I wanted to look like a Barbie, just like most girls do. And there just wasn't like, I didn't look like, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the names. I didn't look like Christy, which was the black Barbie. And I didn't look like okay. Teresa because her hair was straight. And even if there were dolls with an Afro, like I didn't look like them either. So really just like, you know, having, having any sort of, again, home base or like even a celebrity to point to, um, I didn't like hip hop was hip hop and rap was like kind of frowned upon in our house. So it's not like I could like really like embrace like the Sierra culture concept or or vibe either um like again so it just I wasn't anchored but people would make these assumptions about me like I um I to like do ballet and jazz and all of that and like people like oh what kind of dance do you do hip-hop or like in high school like one of my friends was like I didn't know black girls do ballet and again like these really nice people who like love me would be saying like comments like that, like you're doing something you're not supposed to. And it's hard because I'm like, well, I like that. And so I don't have like a clear answer to your question, but, but not to be like anchored down. And so to go back to the Barbie situation, I remember (laughs) we went to visit my grandparents in Michigan and we climbed a plane. We were on a plane. It was the first time I saw like a darker skinned um, African-American woman with like really platinum blonde hair. And I was like, mm, mm-hmm. that does not look good. I, I have changed my mind since then. But at the time I was like, okay, well, I can't be blonde. And I was like, well, I can't get what I want. You know, like, and so I just felt like some of my options were limited. Anyway, Beyonce looked great. Like everyone looks great. I really like that look anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But um, just to clarify now, but yeah, like just not having um, that home base. Now, since right. I've become a professional, that has been a totally other experience and really accelerated the amount of assumptions that people make about you. And even what going to college as well, like it's, that's really interesting is kind of having to even manage your, your identity and your publishing identity. But one of the reasons I'm on Instagram and I'm pretty active on social media is because I realized that I could harness, like take control over my own narrative, quote unquote. And like, without people making assumptions about me, like I'll be, you know, you can open up my Instagram and you're like, she clearly really likes pizza. Um, or like those different types of signals, like, and I use social media as an opportunity. This is part of the reasons I lean into food is like, I think that people make, well, we know that people make assumptions about different races or women or, you know, people who are differently abled than us. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, we're assuming you're dumb or whatever. Like, and that's not true. Being, being on the board of paratransit has really opened my eyes to that experience as well. Um, but 
using different concepts and ideas where like everyone can get behind I think it breaks down some of those barriers too of like yeah we're different the like you know people of color that are that are presented in the news yeah um and I well that that came out wrong not but you know they've they've used the news and the media to to really um paint a picture around black people or mm -hmm. around you know people of color or when they talk about crime they just put people of color as the face of that when where we know that's not true right yeah um yeah I totally know what you're talking about like not having a home base I think I definitely think that was um really close to my or basically my experience as well where they're just no one that looked like me and of course like older sibling gang we just there's no one to like talk to about it um yeah like I mean the only like Filipino um actress I could think of that would be around the time where I grew up would be like you know Van Vanessa Hudgens and um I love her but her uh -huh. hair is, like straight no she was Filipino black. yeah she is yeah and I had no idea right okay and so I also have like really thick and curly hair but as I've like grown up and I find these more, uh, more like mixed Filipino people, none of them have it either. I mean, maybe I don't know, but <laughs> uh -huh. they, all their hair is like straight, like, you know, Olivia mm -hmm. Rodrigo. Who, uh -uh, but I know the type of hair that you're talking yeah. about for sure. <laughs> and I just like, and I would always feel like, what, mm -hmm. what happened to me? Like, why, why, why is this not happening, happening to me? So for a while, I actually had this theory that it was like the dad caused the gene for her curly hair because I would look it up and all those girls who had straight hair it was their mom who gave them the Filipino oh. so I, I haven't tested this and this is totally just based off of what I've seen but yeah I just that was always something I wanted and um you know as I grew up too like I developed so my hair used to be just more wavy and I grew, as I grew up it became curlier and then like I got this mole above my lip which I think people take into account when they like look at my face obviously I don't know but um yeah um and what you said about like social media it's definitely a good place to like write your own narrative which I think is great and I'm not gonna lie like I'm not a perfect person but and I hate to like even say this, but sometimes like when, you know, I don't know, in a TV show or I'll see someone say like, this is an activity they like. And not that this always happens, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, that's like a little surprising that they do that. Like I wouldn't have pegged them as someone who would um, just because of um, history and like what has been the stereotype. So yeah, oh, man, um, that was really interesting. So. Uh, my next question is, did you ever feel like you identified with one side more than the other? Or did this like fluctuate over time? Well, because I didn't fit into a box. Right. Like I didn't, like I, I have always been like, I'm 50% this and 50% this. I'm very proud of my heritage on both sides. I wouldn't have it any other way. I really appreciate like we always had very like global conversations and not like, oh, what's going on in Macedonia or something like that. <laughs> but like 
we would just, you know, be aware of other things that were that were happening um, in the world. And I liked that. Like I, you know, if if I had a bajillion dollars and I had nothing to do all day, I would just learn more languages and more cultures and, you know, and connect with, connect with more people. So, um, no, I haven't, but a lot of people ask me that. And it is, it's certainly a tense point in the, in the biracial community. And, um, it's really sad. Um, I think I've told you my partner works in, in gaming and something Mm -hmm. he's really passionate about is elevating and featuring gamers of all types of different communities he's a black gamer but that's not the gamer demographic that's really presented but they're out there there's strong there's you know black girl gamer there's there's gamers of of all ethnicities ability types etc but the diversity isn't really um displayed and and we were talking he he just says it like makes me so sad when when um gamers of color start to like change their makeup and their look to look like a specific type of of gamer and really erase um their identity and and things like that um and it's sad because i i just watched the good hair documentary with chris rock and he he made a joke that said like if you relax your hair white people will be relaxed and Mm. so and um it was just really funny for him to say that and that used to be the case right so there is a case to be made for you know assimilating to your environment so you get a job but at the same time like how can we like continue to push the edge and say you know I have a right to wear my hair natural right just like everybody does in the office and so it's definitely it's it's interesting um, to watch the conversation like unfold on Twitter unfold on social media but a lot of people ask me that yeah um and like I know definitely what you're talking about about the gamer community I haven't seen it so not denying that that's definitely happening but I've seen Mm -hmm. it more where the gamer community like denies women um from being yeah it's oh it's so prevalent like oh my god it's a gamer girl wow like they exist or something like that or just making fun of girls for liking game whether it's not something that's like super popular or yeah you know manly and I I do watch like some girl gamers who are really successful and I feel like they change the way they act when they're Mm -hmm. interacting with like other male streamers and it's sad because they definitely feel I know that they feel like they need to change how they are just to be accepted in that community and it's sad um, especially when they have, you know, like their chats, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that are just yep. constantly like yelling at them. Da, 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 da. Yeah. It's just, it is super toxic. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to, it took me a long time to understand. And I still don't understand like why as a marginalized community, you would even engage and like gaming, you know, it's fun. It's awesome. And it, and it's cool to have the communities around it, but I'm just like, that's the type of situation that I would stay a hundred feet away from. But, you know, my partner's like, no, gaming's great. And I, I see the, about, you know, the exciting parts of it, obviously. And so mm-hmm. we'll just agree to d- one day I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So question number four, well, question and statement, but I really love your curly <laughs> hair and how you embrace it. So 
Um, were you always able to be so free with your hair? I think you sort of touched on it, but if you want to go more into depth. Um, I was not, and it was not until my adult life that I, I did. And I hope your mom listens to this part <laughs> of the podcast because it's really important. Um, and basically I never it curly out like how you see it in like a lot of my pictures or whatever it's it's just out and I never I mean never wore it like this it would either be mm -hmm. back in a bun if it was curly but I would straighten it I would wash dry straighten wash dry straighten mm -hmm. as soon as I could um which ended up significantly damaging my hair um because I of course, when I straightened it, you know, my 13 year old amateur self, it wouldn't look like just like you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, either the straight haired girls at school or, or even, you know, what you really want to look like. So I would pull it back and I would put a headband on it. So it's like breakage, breakage, breakage. <sighs> anyway, I'm lucky. I mean, I, I didn't have a ton of hair loss or anything like that, but I have I'm working on like repairing it and moisturizing it. And I never put any product in my hair. So you can imagine how like damaged it was by the time right. I was 22. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm starting a professional job now. I don't want to have to wear it. or I mean, like straighten it every day. And I hate getting up early. I'm not a person. Mm -hmm. So um, it wasn't until I started working it at a hair salon while I was interning at the place that I work now where all kinds of people with all kinds of hair it's Jimmy's Barber Garage shouts out to you <laughs> in Midtown so I started working there and I was like if these people can come in with like 12 inch bright pink mohawks I can wear my <laughs> hair curly and I started getting a lot of compliments and it's really sad because like you know, my mom would, I would, like I said, like, I didn't really trust my parents because they didn't mm -hmm. have the context in my opinion. So I like exactly. really limited when, when I would let them, their opinions validate. So sorry, mom and dad. Um, but my mom would always be like, you're so pretty. I'm like, okay, you have to say that you're my mom. Right. And so <laughs> I never, I never wore it out and having the validation from all kinds of people, like even you know, mean girls looking people like coming in from the street, <laughs> like saying nice things about my hair and saying that it's awesome and all that. I'm like, oh, like all these different types of people are saying that my hair is great and I didn't really figure it out yet. And then the owner, Renee said like, start, start experimenting with products. But anyway, by the time I got the full-time job at Capital Impact, I had started to wear it down and it was still like I felt like a spotlight was on me because I would be the only one looking like that I didn't know but your mom is you know as you know like one of the nicest people on the planet and she <laughs> always gave me lots of compliments but it still meant a lot to me at the time because you're like trying to do stuff as a professional and and just get your boots on the ground it was my first job mm -hmm. and so um that was really helpful for me for the internal staff to like be supportive of it. And they weren't giving me side eye. I was waiting for someone to criticize or be mean about it. 
um, but that never happened. So it's been a very slow process. The last thing I want to say about my hair, however, it has definitely changed the way, like, I think I was, I would say my, my partner and I argue about this all the time. Mm -hmm. He does not like the term white path. Um, but people definitely started treating me differently. And I would say, I don't know how to say this, like, well, or politely. So sorry, Sophia's awesome audience, but like people started treating me quote unquote, like, like a black woman Mm -hmm. and, and don't get me wrong. I had obviously other racially motivated experiences, negative, positive, what have you, but people in a professional setting would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that there's like a black woman on this team or all kinds, all kinds of stuff. Um, And then lastly, I remember I was walking back from lunch one time, I would like walk around the Capitol and one time this guy was FaceTiming. He's like, yo, man, you got to look at this hair. And he like turned the, yeah. <gasps> People sometimes treat me what? like a zoo animal, which oh we can God. talk about on another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just like started like walking faster in my heels. You know how it is. Um, but <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, people, and you know, you can, you can get on Twitter and look at how people treat like light-skinned women with with black features which is like a whole other issue slash thing fetishy it's weird Mm -hmm. um but it's it's definitely like an interesting to see how people like the light bulb goes off um and I to learn to own it really really quickly because like I'm the only one that looks like me in a room like whether it's you can say age you can say you know because you know you're you're mixed you you can say anything um but it's and female as well like I'm just in a lot of those spaces and people definitely assume that I'm like the diversity hire sometimes Mm -hmm. you can tell it's subtle like I'm typically like our subject matter expert like my supervisors like they lead the firm right on all kinds of different things but I'm the one who really knows the content. So there are some large chunks of meetings that I have to present. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that I was either brought on, people think I was brought on for show or as the assistant or as like the intern. And even one time I got an award at this reception, which I was not expecting. Mm -hmm. But they were like, can Anna Fon just come to the front because we have the certificate for you. And they, they said like a sh- very short buyer, they're like, Anna works at Capital Impact as a senior program director. And she does this and this, and thank you so much for helping us out. And someone walked up to me right after and was like, wait, where do you intern? Oh and my gosh. <laughs> I think I like came and told your mom the next day when that happened, but uh-huh. it just, it's stuff like that. And again, like right? It's not, it's not like a slur or a really big insult, but it's clear Mm -hmm. that people assume because I'm a person of color slash a woman that I'm in a quote unquote role. Not that I look down on interns, but you know what I mean? Like I'm a director. Right. You're an official, you're a professional. You're not there. And I was like very well dressed that day. Like there's no excuse. Like I try to give people grace. I really do, but Mm -hmm. that was the time I'm not doing it. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, one thing I'll say, like maybe that award was to make up for your kindergarten one where they didn't give yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're oh. right. Totally. Yeah. It just, God was waiting to redeem you. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, funny. I never thought of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like going back to the hair, I keep saying going back, but okay, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, like I don't have coily hair, but I definitely, I learned this from actually my hairdresser that hair changes like every seven years, apparently. I was going to say that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I was born <laughs> and as a little kid, it was like, you know, wavy. And then, um, it just started getting really thick and curly and then, Um, I'm 16 now and I think I mean I don't know I feel like it's changed a little bit where it's sort of getting a more more wavy near the roots but maybe that's just Mm -hmm. because of the length because I know I did cut it after seventh grade and that Mm -hmm. made it poof up oh my gosh my um my seventh grade ID card from middle school it was down and my head looks like a mushroom and oh my gosh I doubt it (laughs) it does it comes out like a triangle oh yeah and um (laughs) anyways but now it's long and I really like the length and I've definitely like I'm really glad that I never um had the drive to straighten my hair every single day that I was just and you know like um how you said that even when you straightened it it still didn't look like what you wanted it to look like and that's totally true like it's still when you like hold it up it just sticks out to the side and it doesn't fall down like normal hair and it just looks like it doesn't look like that silky smooth like droop not droopy but obeying the laws of gravity I guess um flowy yeah it's funny that you say that someone at my work that was not your is not your mom Mm -hmm. literally said that she was like yeah I don't like when you straighten your hair because I just feel like it doesn't get all the way straight so I just say that for all the future professionals out there to add that to your list of things not to say at work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, like we like this community we already have so many like thoughts about our hair that like we don't we don't need like yours unless it's I guess I mean I guess she was trying to compliment I'm not sure. I'm I don't know. Anyways, um but yeah, I'm just I'm grateful that like I was able to um I guess, learn about how to, you know, style and control it at this age. I think that's important, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, it's definitely a hard thing to get used to, especially because Ella has such straight hair that um, I feel like, (laughs) come on, like, are you kidding? I don't, like, I don't understand what happened, but yeah, it's just, it's, I don't want to say a struggle, but it's definitely something that we always have to interact with. Um, okay, next no, question. Definitely. Did you always have a strong sense of identity? Or like, I guess a racial identity? I don't know. I would warp it sometimes or I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily express it how I was like I was proud of my heritage but I didn't say that because I didn't see it necessarily like being valued 
right? Right. So I didn't talk about it outwardly. Um, I, I'm very, I don't know. I have like very strong reactions to like what I think should be happening or should be said or should be supported. And like, I, I definitely wouldn't mask that. I also would put my needs aside for the sake of assimilating. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, whether or not I thought this was cool, like I would just, I would always think of what other people would think. And it robbed me of some like fun years where I could have just been myself. And I was always worried about what people thought and people who know me know I have really intense facial expressions. It used to be a lot worse because I would just be on edge all the time of, and always trying to like think of something great to say and like that all comes off as inauthentic, right? And so I'm sure I like repelled people or, <laughs> or pushed them away because I was just, you know, acting weird and just owning myself. Like we all know people who are like, yep, they own it. And that's, that's great. And I found over time that the more that I am that it caters to other people but what happens is the more I like act like myself and I am myself every single chance I get the more comfortable other people are saying their opinions and being themselves and then they peel back the curtain mm -hmm. which is really important because yeah. um you know I used to like again try to script myself and and say things that other people wanted to hear and now instead I've just created environments where people can be themselves and they can start a meeting and be like oh I can't wait for today to be over just like be yourself like wherever you're at like we're still going to get our, our task done but you don't have to like pretend like that your life is perfect and yeah. I know that we've like talked about social media too mm -hmm. how people can pretend but like you might as well just be yourself and then encourage other people to do so too. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, in a past episode where um, I talked about how, you know, with my friend that on social media, you know, you don't see everyone's bad days or whatever. And I think um, I, this is totally random, but I'm going to sort somehow connect it. But um, mm -hmm. like, I've been researching more about colleges and stuff and like how important it is to be genuine on your applications and be you. And um, I think, I don't think even though there are so many things about myself that I like, you know, wish I could change, I would never change who I am for one second. Like, mm -hmm. um, cause it's just me. Like I could never do that. And I also think it's really great that, you know, I never realized it before, but if you are just 100% you and confident, then other people will just let mm -hmm. their guard down as well, or I guess walls down or yeah. Mm -hmm which is really important. Yeah, I agree. And one quick follow-up to that is what I've also learned, like, think of it this way. Like, if I came over to your house and, you know, you said, Anna, like, what, what do you feel like eating for dinner? Mm -hmm. um, and I said something that I think you wanted to hear. Like, you know, I know that Thea likes pasta, so... <laughs> I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to say that. Right. Even though in my 
head, maybe I feel like pizza or a sandwich, then I'm not getting what I want. And then you're not, you, Sophia, I'm your guest and you probably wanted to make me happy and make sure that we have a good time. You're not getting what you want either. And I'm not even giving you the information to, to like be the hostess quote unquote that you want to be. You know, right. For the record, I love any and all food except for beans. <laughs> they gross me out. But like, you know, I, I think that that's really important for people to understand. I see it happening in a lot of relationships. Like oh, yes. you guys are setting yourself up for failure if you're like saying what you think is supposed to be said and you're now getting mad at your partner because they're not doing what you want and it's not to me it's not fair to expect anyone if it's a friend or a teacher they're not a mind reader so you might as well be authentic there's definitely nicer way to to say things Mm -hmm. I could say like hey Sophia I don't know I'm flexible but I've been really craving pizza like there there is an in-between it's not like zero or a hundred but you really should be yourself and that's going to manufacture better outcomes for everybody yeah (laughs) definitely involved I think um as I've just gotten a bit older like to these like you know 15 16 I I think I realized that I was a really agreeable person and just not even because like I thought like oh I need to agree with this person but just because I don't know it felt like I had to, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've definitely tried to just, you know, speak up more for what I want and just be more candid about my intentions and stuff, because I think, yeah, it's definitely really important. And then I, I mean, it's definitely, it can be hard to sometimes I like, I want to, it, like you said, like no one's a mind reader, but we also just, you know, what if we really think like you wanted pasta like or something or I guess did I use that right I'm not sure um but yeah yeah, it's yes (laughs) yes (laughs) oh my gosh I can't even finish a thought concisely but it's the weekend our brains are supposed to be on break anyway it's true it's true (laughs) okay my last question and I think this is probably the most fun one I guess so um something I used to forget was that I was much more than what people thought of me and my race. Cause I used to think that like they saw me and that's all they thought about. So what are your interests and hobbies that make you, you, because I think that's really important to focus on. And sometimes I forget it myself. Yeah. It's really funny because there, there are times where I get bitter about being stereotyped and then I, And then I um, don't want to talk about those topics that are within the stereotype. For example, I used to, people would assume that, you know, I'm, or I've seen other people be angry with communities of color for talking about race. And I was like, well, I don't want people to think of me negatively, so I won't talk about it. And that's problematic and harmful (laughs) for a lot of different reasons. And I don't hate on my prior self. Like I'm not going to criticize like past choices I've, I've made, but um, I just wanted to say, like, I also used to like pick and choose hobbies or things I would speak out about just so I could 
shake some of the stereotypes because it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And being a person of color or part of a marginalized community oftentimes really robs you of the same openness and consideration that like other people have. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that like, like we've, a lot of black people have seen like, you know, there, there's a lot of hype around basketball players sometimes that are not black but if mm-hmm. if you are black then it's like oh yeah of course you're good at basketball yeah, that's and that's normal. like not celebrated right basketball is very very hard yes it is <laughs> but anyway <laughs> I know I know I, I, I could never do it I have zero coordination but um, <laughs> I guess definitely you know cooking I like cooking mm-hmm. um I don't like cleaning I <laughs> um my Something I am passionate about is celebrity gossip. And I'm in yep, I'm filed for divorce. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah. That's been like interesting to follow, but, but like a long, a long time coming. Uh, I like reading. I really like hiking. Um, okay. I've been nerding out lately on finance and Ooh. investing. Yeah, there's some really great accounts out there. Yeah. Um, like investing Latina. I really like, you know, her perspective because we think and we're kind of brought up to think of like stock brokers or people who have money or stocks like being um being one demographic and honestly this is a really great opportunity to close the wealth gap for many communities of color so Mm -hmm. I love stuff like that um I I don't have too much free time for for hobbies because I try to stay involved again board of paratransit board of of metro edge um I've a lot of my side projects are are equity focused and diversity and inclusion um because I do think that a lot of misinformation is out there and we do need to break down the stereotypes. So a lot of my spare time is to that, whether it's being active on, on social media with like whatever content of the day um, or helping people understand, like people are starting to like DM me like different like race questions. And I, I try to answer the best I can and I just appreciate the dialogue that's that's happening because we can't be responsive um, if we don't know how and if right. we don't know what's what's happening um, right now. But yeah, I, I'm like, I guess it's because we're having this conversation in the <laughs> middle of a pandemic. I'm like, I don't do anything but sit at home, <laughs> Netflix with my cats and and my partner. Um, I mean, I, I guess to hobby. the gaming <laughs> discussion. I don't know if there are any gamers on here, but I just finished Overcooked, which is a super fun oh. game. And of course, of all things, like I play the cooking game, but it's super fun. On the night of the election, I played it for like three hours. <laughs> I was really stressed as we yeah. all were. It was either that or, you know, alcohol or candy or something like that. So I chose <laughs> the healthiest option, which is definitely video games in that moment. Trust me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and then I think the last thing I, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the last um, 
weird quirky thing about me is that like I love secondhand shopping mm, um mm-hmm. and yeah I, I'm trying to think of something more random and like that's definitely definitely it like I like thrifting or like using the real real to like find really cool pieces um mm-hmm. so that's like something I pride myself on <laughs> yeah awesome those are great hobbies like yeah I really want to play overcooked more I like I don't have it but I've played it at my friend's house a few times but also at the same time like I'm that person who starts like playing and then it everything starts going to hell and I go and just yeah like, <laughs> I just I just need to put it away because and like I like being um, the spectator watching everyone else stress out more than me actually playing because it just oh, it gets my heart rate up so high but yeah anyways yep. um, uh, like you were saying with the um like the basketball players and then um like when you know white celebrities or people get praised for you know advocating for um uh, minorities or whatever and then and like how you said, you know, when minorities speak out about minorities, it can be perceived as like annoying or um, self-absorbed almost. And sometimes, like, I hate to say it, like, I definitely have felt that before. And like, it makes me feel self-conscious, like when I post those things, because of course, I want to like stand up for what I believe in. But at the same time, I don't want to be perceived as like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just oh, so bad. But yeah, going back to your hobbies, those are great. And I think it's so important for everyone to just like, you know, know what they are as like a person besides just the color of their skin and their heritage, even though those are both, you know, important things, but yeah. Um, Anyways, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Like this was such a great conversation. I think definitely like one of my favorite episodes. Um, I'm so honored that you could be on here. yeah, this is just so fun. I know this is, yeah, definitely like the best and most productive Saturday afternoon <laughs> um, I've had in a while. And I'm just think it's so amazing that you have your own podcast. Like I have a lot of like ideas and like dreams and I'm just too lazy to do a lot <laughs> of it. And like my friends and I have like kicked around like starting a podcast. And so I would listen. anyway, um, just really, really like props to you for getting Thank this you. off the ground. I think it's amazing. I'm like Sophia's goals. I always tell you. Oh mom. my gosh. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> she says hi, by the way, and that she misses you. Yay. Yeah. Oh, same, same. Say hi to everyone. I will. Me, mom, dad, and Ella. <laughs> Even though I am jealous of Ella's straight hair too. I know. How does she? Oh, she got bangs. She got curly bangs. Okay. I'm going to have to see a picture. Yeah, I know. Maybe you guys can take a selfie later. I will. Yeah. I'm. Oh, this is another thing. Just for regular conversation right now. Like, I, I want bangs, but I don't think it'll work. And I think they'll just be like little weird tendrils right here, but. I don't know. It's unfortunate, but you know, I can live with it. I can live without that. Quarantine is a perfect place to to try it out though, right? Right. If you hate them, you can just like wear like a space helmet until they grow out or something. <laughs> I mean, go out in public with a space helmet. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. would. I mean, maybe some questions, but yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, anyways, thanks again so much for coming on. So on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and so many other platforms. So please check it out. And you can follow Anna. Or do you want to drop your socials at all? Sure, sure. Yeah. I think Instagram is the easiest. It's just A-F-O-N-T-U-S. Yes. So go check. Keep in touch. Yeah. Go check Anna out. She is awesome. And her posts are really cool. Lots of food and animals and her cool life. So yeah. (laughs) Anyways, thanks again for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.